Have you been searching for a Christian clothing brand to proudly wear and support? A brand fully founded in the Word of God, sharing the good news through beautiful designs and a powerful message of truth and love? Friends, look no further. The Fountain Sheep is a gospel-centered brand seeking to lift up believers all over the world, reminding them that they belong to the Good Shepherd and they've been given power to overcome evil and be the shining light in this dark world. In fact, they believe in generosity and they go out and give 20% of all net profits to churches and outreach ministries like the Dream Center in Los Angeles and expanding the kingdom in Venezuela. If you want a brand that's just perfect for you for sharing the gospel, then go to thefoundsheep.net or at thefoundsheepbrand on Instagram and find out how you can buy these wonderful designs to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's that time again. It's Greek for the Week. I'm Chris Palmer. Let's open our Bibles and get right down to the original language, the Greek. God bless you. It's the Greek for the Week podcast. Before you get into this, do me a favor. If you could, just go to the section on your podcast platform that gives ratings and just say, hey, this Greek for the Week podcast is great. It's fantastic. Give it a five star. I don't want you to lie. I don't want, if you don't think it's five stars, give it a rating. I can deal with it, but it helps us when you rate it. But five stars would be would be fantastic if you did that. And uh, it would really help us out <clears throat> and get us out there a little bit more. Because we, we have a desire for education and to be spirit-filled, empowered, spirit-empowered people, but also be educated. I don't know. There's things like it, but this is great. So <laughs> I think it's great. That's why I do it. So just if you could, go on there, rate it five stars. We're going to talk about one of the questions. I get asked this a lot on Christmas time. Pastor, who was the Magi? Who was the, the wise men? And we see in Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 2, or 2, 1 through 12. Let's just answer it today. Let's go there. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, wise men came from the east, came to Jerusalem. Okay, so here we have the Greek word for wise men, which is magos or magoi in the plural. And it's an interesting word, and it's used. Uh, to describe this cast of Persians that came from a thousand miles away to see that the Christ, the King of the Jews, had been born. And so, who were they? Well, they came, you know, we see they came from the east, or Anatolon, right here, in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. We think, well, maybe they came from 10 miles, 15 miles. Listen, it's a lot farther than 15 miles. This is all the way in modern-day Iran. So, if you're looking at a map right now, which I happen to be, you got to go a long way. I mean, we're talking crossing Syria, Saudi Arabia, or Jordan, depending on where you're at, and Iraq, and then getting into Iran. You got several countries to go here. So these, these wise men, these magoi, they came from a long way to see the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. A lot of application in here, but I'll tell you what, if you got a church 15 minutes down the street and they're preaching the Word of God, and uh, you. Get out of bed, go to church. If the Magi can come to see Christ from thousands of miles away, you can go to church to hear the word of God. Okay. It's not always convenient to follow Jesus. Amen? Can I get an amen from you on the podcast? Okay. So then it says here that they come to Herod. They say, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star. Now, we talked about diacopy in the in one of the last podcast about the repetitious use of a word over and over again to put emphasis on it. We're going to see this word here, star, appear, I think, three or four times uh, in just 12 verses where we saw his star. It's like these wise men, they're so focused on this star, you know? We see his star when it rose, and so we've come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. He, now Herod's upset. 
We're gonna, this, that'll make sense here in a second. And assembling the chief priests and the scribes of all the people he inquired. This is like an emergency meeting they're having right now. They go to the wise men. Where is the Christ to be born? They told them, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For we've come, for from you shall come a ruler, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them the time the star had appeared and sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child when you found him, bring me word that, may, that I may too come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way and behold the star. There it is again. There's the word, the star. They had seen when it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, okay, I think that's the fourth time now, they rejoiced exceeding great. They saw the star. So it's like these wise men are after, they're after this star, you know? And it's interesting. So let's get to the wise men. The word magoi or magois. First, let's just, let's just, let's put something here. There's not just three of them. I know in our nativity scenes we see three, but I think that's because if there was any more, we couldn't fit them all under the nativity. There's probably a big caravan of them, all right? A big group of them. And, you know, we use three for the gold, the frankincense, and the more. But let's just get it out of our heads that there's three. That doesn't mean you should go take your nativity and just smash it and destroy it and say, this is theologically incorrect. There's more than three. I think the point of it, the nativity, is to emphasize the birth story. You know, maybe there was three. I mean, it doesn't say, but it doesn't allude that there's, that there's just three here. It's a lot more than that, I would think. Be as it may, these wise men, or magoi, were part of a priestly caste system there in Persia at the time. And these weren't your greatest people on the earth, okay? These weren't like some super squeaky clean people. They did some pretty bad stuff, okay? If you look it up in history, I mean, they were doing some bad things. Number one, they were very barbaric because they didn't bury their dead. They didn't bury them. So they rather let their dead be eaten by wild animals, which happened to be the case a lot. The wild animals would come and eat their dead loved ones because they didn't want to bury them. And they were incestuous people. They believed that incestuous marriages were meritorious. Oh, look it. The cousins are getting married. How great. You like your sister? You like your brother? They're getting married? Great stuff here. That's wicked. And they applauded the wickedness. And so over time, what happened was is that Secret arts began to become popular in this caste system, and soon the caste became full of soothsayers and magicians. And this Persian caste here was now a magic caste of people that were, you know, possessed or supposedly possessed with supernatural ability and knowledge and and false prophecy and sorcery, and they were all into superstition and dreams and soothsaying, and the big one, the mother of all of them, not just fortune tellings and black magic and occult arts, but the mother of all of it was astrology. Oh, they were big astrologers, and because they were astrologers, they began to predict and prognosticate what was going to happen to their empire, or the empires of the world based upon the alignment of the stars. And at that time, the emperors or the rulers or the kings were very, very into all this, and they would bring up the astrologers and say, hey, tell us, tell us what's going to happen next. Now, there was a really big belief back then. Well, let's, let's back it up just a second here. Just remember that. But let's say it like this. 
So you remember that the Hebrew children went into Babylonian captivity and they were all taken captive. Well, because of that, it was an interesting opportunity that their prophecies began to spread into the places they were taken into captivity, particularly Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq and around places of Iran. So in that part of the known world, Jewish prophecies had gotten along, or gotten, people had gotten wind of the Jewish prophecies, and that is, look at Isaiah 7, 14. It would say, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin shall conceive, she'll give birth to a son, and you'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For a child is born, a son is given, the government will rest on his shoulders, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, his government, his peace will never end. He'll rule with fairness and justice, the throne of his David, of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. So these prophecies started getting around, and there became an expectation. The Hebrew expectation became the world's expectation. A great king was going to come and be born in Bethlehem of Judea and of his government would be no end. And whatever empire at that time was in power, he would smash them, he would crush them, and he would stomp them. And this was the hope of the Hebrews and it became the hope of the world that this king was coming. Now there was a belief at that time that great leaders were marked by signs in the heavenlies. We even see this in the book of Numbers 24 and verse 17. I see him but not here and now. I perceive him, but far in the distant future, a star will rise from Jacob. So we see that kings, their, no, their noble births were marked by signs in the heaven. And so the Magi and most of the civilized world believe this. So if the king of the Jews was going to be born, a sign in heaven, a star would have to, would have to uh, incite that. So they're going to have to see the star. So the soothsayers and the occultists were kind of like, hey, if he's going to be born, we'll see his star. And when his star appears, that's how we know he's coming. So they were looking for it. They were looking for the star of the king of Judea. And something happened. The wise men were in Persia, a thousand miles away, when there was a stunning, spectacular sight in the sky. And that is, there was a celestial anomaly that took place and began to light up the heavens. And that was the star that appeared over Jerusalem, which moved eventually into Bethlehem of Judea. And so, now, I, you know, look, I'm going to look into everything. I don't necessarily know how, I think this is pretty trustworthy. It's just history I'm giving to you. It's just uh, scientific logs and records. But we're told in 4 AD, a rare alignment of Jupiter and Saturn occurred in which they aligned perfectly. Each of of them were aligned in perfect alignment with Mars as well, and they were all in orbit of one another. Now, if this really did happen, this would make a spectacular sight. Now, I believe the star, okay, what the Word of God says about the star uh, of Bethlehem. Believe it. Whether or not it was this, not 100% sure, but I believe it's trustworthy. I'm going with it, okay? Um, and it's told that this took place in the constellation of Pisces. Oh, I, I remember I said this one time. Someone said, you believe in the zodiac? Look, I don't believe in doing astrology. It's wicked. It's demonic. But there's constellations mentioned in the Bible. I know you might not have known that. Amos 5.8, different places of Job. I believe Job 38.12 talks about Orion and different constellations that are there. So we can map the sky based upon these zodiac constellations. We don't use them for astrology, though, but the Word of God mentions them. 
And it was said that this star alignment took place in Pisces. And Pisces was associated in the, for the Jews and especially the last days at that time and the last days for the Jews. And so seeing this sign, seeing this in, in this constellation would have been unequivocal proof to the Persians, especially the astrologers, that the famed Jewish prophecies were being fulfilled and that the king of Judea was being born. And that's why they headed in that direction, because the stars aligned and the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who would put the governments upon his shoulders was being born. Now, what do you do with the fact that they were wicked and they were demonic and they were evil? I think it goes a lot to say, and I think it's going to give you hope this Christmas season to understand that not everybody, okay, well, I'll say it like this. A.W. Tozer had a really interesting saying. I saw it on, <laughs> I saw it one time on the bathroom wall of a church when I was younger, and it stuck with me. It said, you're washing your hands in the sink, and you look up, and there's this saying from A.W. Tozer that says, not all those who wander are lost. Hit me. And I began to think about the wise men, and it's true that, you know, People that are wandering that haven't found the truth, if they're in search of the truth, God's going to show it to them. They got to keep on asking. There's atheists out there. They don't realize it, but what they're looking for is Jesus. There's Muslims that are out there. They worship Muhammad. They worship Allah. But what they realize is that what they don't realize is they're looking for Jesus. There are Jainists out there. There are, you know, whatever. Okay, what, all the different religions in the world. I don't have to name them. Buddhists and Taoists and, you know, Hindus and what they're looking for is Jesus Christ. And if even if they are where they are, I'm not saying they're saved, but you got to pray for them. So they keep on going in their quest. They keep on asking questions. They keep on reaching for more truth. They keep on, they keep on reaching for it. So at the end, all be all of truth is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the last, the first and the end, and that is Jesus. So this Christmas season, when you're at dinner with your family members and they start talking this way and that way and they don't know Christ, encourage them. Keep on seeking. Keep on going. Keep on asking questions. Keep on reaching. And then you declare and pray that the Holy Spirit of God will get a hold of them and will convict them, their hearts and bring them into an understanding of the Lord. Listen, perfect people aren't out there seeking God. It doesn't take perfect people to seek God. I remember when I got born again, I got saved. I wasn't I was I was twelve, but I had questions, and my and and it got there early for me. I found Christ early, but I had questions. But I remember I found Jesus. I said, "This is truth." And all through college, you know, all through growing up, I knew I had the truth. I knew it. I found Jesus. He is the end all be all. But these people haven't, and we got to pray for them. And so don't get discouraged by a person's disposition and where they may be in their in their walk, and don't get discouraged by that. You just keep on. Showing them the love of God. Remember the Magi. Remember that imperfect people who haven't found the truth, okay, are who eventually find Christ. And remember the Magi did it. So wherever your loved one's at today, don't be discouraged. God has ways of speaking to us in our own language. And I find that interesting. Is the Magi were the Magi were soothsayers and looking for stars. You know what? God spoke to them through a star. And so, you know, you may have somebody that is a, a, a chef in your family. God can use food to speak to them. You may have somebody in your family who is a fireman. God can use fire to speak to them. You know, God can use anything so that we can understand that he's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. You may have someone in your family who's an athlete. God might use the applications of athletics to speak to them. You have someone in your family who is a lawyer. God might use law to speak to them. You might have someone in your family. You never know what you have, but God 
knows how to use where they are at in life to communicate to them the ultimate truth, and that is Jesus Christ is Lord, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So be encouraged. Remember that and uh, that the Magi is your proof. Amen? Let me pray for your loved one. I want to do that. I want to pray that this, this Christmas season, Christmas is coming in a couple days, that you and your loved ones have a radical, a radical encounter with the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for those that are listening. I bless them right now. Maybe they have wicked or ungodly people in their family. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bring their search for the truth to a final conclusion, and that is Jesus, that God, in the beginning, God, that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. May they find Christ. This Christmas season, may their quest for truth end like it did for the Magi, and that is they bowed down, they offered Christ their gifts, they worshiped him as the Messiah, the Lord and Savior of the world. I give you great honor, I give you great praise that you're bringing your salvation to the homes of those that listen to this podcast and that they'll find the truth in Christ. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You say, well, pastor, did the Magi, did they get saved? Did they get born again? I know it. I believe that they worshiped Christ. I think that means that that left an impression on him, that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I think when they found the young child, and by the way, it doesn't say that he was a baby. By the time they got there, he was a young child. So I don't think the shepherds and the wise men ever met each other. Uh, but the point I'm saying is that I don't think they ever forgot Jesus. They saw that they had been around a lot of kings, but I think what the story is telling us is when they saw that little child, they knew he was he was the Messiah of the world. Because we never forget Jesus once we have had an encounter with him. I think the story is hopeful that the wise men became followers of Christ, just like your family members will, I declare in Jesus' name. God bless you. Listen, have a wonderful and blessed Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and your family, and we'll see you on the next podcast. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support us further, you may visit us on the web at lightoftoday.org. God bless and good studying.